0: Alright, so as they read John chapter 6, go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. I think we'll have it up on the screen as well. Um, reminder, just to set a little context, we've been in John chapter 6 for feels like a few months now. It's a long chapter. Um, Jesus, it started off with Jesus feeding the 5,000. He walks on water. He explains now that He is the bread of life. And these, di- these dialogues that we continue to see, and we've seen it earlier in John, and what we continually see are people are not quite getting what Jesus is saying. They're looking too much at the physical and missing the spiritual side. And we're going to see a little bit more of that today. So like we always do, we're going to try to go through all these verses today. And again, a lot of this is a, a, a bit repetitive from what he's said before, um, and some of it is very straight to the point. So we'll work through it together, and Lord willing... Come out better for it on the other side. So um, starting in forty eight, but I will say forty seven, he said, Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, and then into forty-eight. I am the bread of life. He said that before, and again, even that statement, that I I am statement, is gonna step on some people's toes because that's gonna be similar to what was said in the Old Testament when God says to Moses, I am who I am. So that same I am part is making a statement, Jesus is claiming to be the Holy One of God. He's claiming to be Yahweh. But what he's going to do, he's going to continue on to explain what it means to be the bread of life. 49, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Remember, they brought up their fathers. They brought up the manna in the past. And he's saying, yeah, that's cute. They ate the manna and they died. Not extremely helpful. It may have filled their bellies, but they died. And if you remember, that is also the generation that got to wander around for a long time and they never actually got to go into the promised land. Verse 50, This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So and in comparison, you have, they had the bread and they died. This bread that I'm telling you about, me... I'm coming so that you will not die. He says again, reemphasizing, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the, for the life of the world is my flesh. So getting now specific, he's going into more detail and he's saying, this bread is actually my flesh, meaning His body. And so right away, we should be starting to think of, if you've read the Bible before, if this isn't your first time working through this, start to think of what does it mean for His body to come? For him, for him to give His body? It's the crucifixion. He's speaking specifically of the crucifixion here. And notice what He says. I'm giving My flesh for the world. It's, the, it's through My flesh that there can be Life. Now here come the Jews with their response. Now remember, when it comes in this phrasing, the Jews, here it's talking about those who are some of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and these group of Jews that are just not believing. They're just against Jesus. These aren't a lot of people who are truly seeking Him. These are people who are skeptical from the get-go, and they're really not interested. In fact, they're trying just to prove Him wrong in many cases, as we'll see as we continue. But look what they said. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Does it remind you from the woman at the well, some of that conversation? Again, they're looking at the physical, they're like, oh, that's kind of weird. What's he, what's he saying? So instead of making it easier on them, here's how Jesus responds. And this is what he tends to do, especially to those who are, well, who are his opponents. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, of the Son of Man, that Son of Man idea there, takes us all the way back to Him claiming to be God, going all the way back to Daniel chapter 7, as we talked before, and drink His blood. Now He's adding on the blood, which if you remember, part of the law in the Old Testament, they weren't supposed to have anything with blood in it. Not supposed to drink blood, or even the the meat shouldn't have this blood in it. So, this is a very offensive statement to the religious people. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. So not only does He just say, you need to eat My flesh, He goes into more detail and it will make them more uncomfortable. 54, whoever feeds on My flesh, look at that word, feeds on it. Not just like a one-time eat it. Feeding, continual. Okay. So yes, this talks about belief in the crucifixion. Belief in Christ, but this is also something we have to continue to believe. Continue to fight to believe. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So what he's saying right now is he's saying, okay, if you want to abide in me, continually live in me, you're going to have to eat my flesh, you're going to have to drink my blood. What in the world does that look like? This is the idea when it's talking about the Gospel. Someone tell me what Gospel means. Good news, right? We have to know the bad news to have good news. Bad news, we're sinful, we're separated from God, and we have no way of getting back to Him because we're dead spiritually. He makes us alive in Christ. We cry out in faith to Him, believing in His perfect life, his, the virgin birth, His sinless life, His death on the cross, sacrificial in our place for our sins. After three days, He what? Rose for our justification. He then was here for a while, went to the right hand of the Father, one day is coming back. All who believe in him are saved. That's the good news. This is what Jesus is saying you need to believe in to have life. Now here's where I was thinking through this throughout the week. Okay, yeah, we've heard this a thousand times. What difference does it make? So, and I hope this is led by the Spirit, we're going to find out. I want you... To tell me a situation. Something about life. That's hard. I'm going to take a few of these. And I'm going to do my best to try to help how we practically apply the Gospel, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection to that situation. Because if it's just a, hey, you should think about Jesus sometimes. That's not extremely helpful. Let's practically try, and I really hope this is led by the Spirit, Let's practically try to figure out what the gospel looks like in real life. Because the point isn't that you think of it one time and then you become a Christian. The point is that we are preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. And we're preaching the gospel to one another every day because it's in the gospel itself is where life is found. In Christ. So, somebody throw out a situation that's hard, that has to deal with life, that maybe we need help from God. Go ahead. What was that? Divorce. Divorce. Thank you. How does the gospel apply to divorce? Certainly, there are going to be some in here who have been divorced. First of all, we know that again, as God intended it, he even says, I hate divorce. I don't like it. It's not what he truly desires. Why? Because marriage is more than just two people getting together and having a bunch of kids. Ultimately, what it is, is it's a picture of Jesus and his church. That's what the that's what marriage is to be. Now, is it true that there are situations and times that divorce happens? And even in Scripture it says, yes, it's permitted. But always first, we always try to seek reconciliation. Because the gospel is about reconciliation. It's about reconciling us to God. And through the gospel, we're able to actually be reconciled to one another. But there are many of you or many situations where divorce happened before you are a Christian. Or the other person didn't know the Lord, or adultery took place. There are a few instances in Scripture that the Lord does say that it's it's permissible to do it. But again, we always seek reconciliation. And here's the thing, even if that's happened, even if you had a divorce, and let's say it wasn't for a biblical reason, there's also forgiveness for that. You confess it and you move forward whole. Give me another one. Yes? Yes? If you didn't hear her, she said, hurt, pain, and disappointment from friends and family. Quick show of hands, anyone ever been hurt or disappointed or had pain caused by somebody else on this earth? (laughs) This one might apply. This one might apply. Hurt, pain, and disappointment. Here's what the gospel says. The gospel says you are going to be hurt, and you will continually be disappointed, and you will continually have pain, because sin entered the world. And once sent into the world, it brought all that and more. Sickness, death, all of it. The Gospel also says that he's making all things new. And it's through Christ he's bringing a people to himself. And in the last day, he's going to make an earth. He's going to make a new heavens, a new earth. And it's going to be different. And it's not going to have the the pain and the hurt relationships and all of those things because he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. So we look forward to that one day. But what difference does it make in this life right now? Well, here's what the Gospel also tells you, and the Apostle Paul says this, and if you're familiar with the Apostle Paul, he's a pretty impressive guy when it comes to following Jesus, but you know what he calls himself? He calls himself the chief of sinners. Here's what the Gospel should show you, and the more you grow in Christ, what happens is, and you read his word, he shows you more and more how lost you really are without him. How lost we are without the Gospel. How none of us are perfect, none of us have it together. The point isn't, hey, you get it together and then come to Jesus, The point is, Jesus got it together for you, and He extends it to you. So ultimately, what He says is, because if you understand that you're the chief of sinners, and you understand and you are gracious to others, knowing that we're going to sin against one another, and we're going to hurt one another, and that's going to happen. But He also says, because of the Gospel, because of a a love that we're given, even though we don't deserve it, we're now in turn supposed to love one another, even when we don't deserve it. Even when we're being unlovable, we still love. And we also forgive in those situations. Why? Why? Because of the forgiveness He's given us in Christ. We don't deserve it. He's infinitely holy, but He still says, I forgive everything. So because we've been forgiven so much, we forgive one another. So we know we're going to get hurt, but He also gives us the way through the Gospel to be reconciled and have peace with one another, if we decide to. All right, give me one more. What? Okay, we have two on the same page there. Death is rough. Nobody wants it, for the most part. We don't want to see our loved ones go. I did, I think it was two funerals two weeks ago, one being our nephew. Many of you have lost. The Gospel is so important here. Paul talks about the fact that there are those who do not have hope because they do not trust in Christ. And so when their loved ones die, they sit back and they groan without hope. I've heard that. I've heard that in the, in the bush in Africa where they were predominantly a Muslim people and with that you do not know if their salvation. Maybe God will have mercy on you. They would call God. Maybe He won't. And they would separate the men and the women and when there was a death, the women would cry out with this shriek that still chills my bones to this day. Because they had no way of knowing. And there's many of you who've cried out that way because you don't know maybe perhaps someone who's died. But then Paul also talks about that there are those who groan with hope. Because the gospel, Jesus coming and living that life and dying on the cross, if he would have stayed dead, then guess what? We've got no hope. We've got no hope. We have no hope if he's died and he stayed in the ground. But he didn't. He rose. And the fact that He rose from the dead means that we all who are in Christ will be raised from the dead. And we have to hold on to that because we sometimes are quick to forget. And once again, why we have to be preaching the Gospel to ourselves every day. And we need to be preaching the Gospel to one another. So whether it's a relationship issue, whether it's death, because that's ultimately what Paul says, death, where's your sting? You don't get to win death because Jesus defeats it. And we have to remind each other of that because we are constantly going through trials. We are constantly losing people. This is the life. And it's supposed to make us look around at this world and go, this ain't right. That's the point. We look around and we go, this isn't, this isn't how it's supposed to be, Lord. And he says, I know I'm making all things new. Trust in me. We can do more of these, but we don't have time today. We'll do more on Wednesday as we talk through some of this stuff. Let's continue on in the passage. Does that that make sense? You guys tracking? Okay. All right. He says, "Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him." He talks. He brings us back up again in John 15, where he talks about that uh, Jesus actually says that he's the vine, and we're the branches, and we're to abide in him. If we remain in him, he'll remain in us. And ultimately, what he's saying there is, we need to be in his word. Let his word abide in us. How many of you were like, you know what, New Year, I'm going to read the Bible this year. I'm going through the whole thing. Some head shakes, yeah, on that. I'm going to try to read the Bible. How many of you, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm devoting myself. I'm going on a diet, right? Some of us have diets. They say, well, I'm going to do this differently. I'm not going to, I've heard some say, I'm not going to talk about politics on, on Facebook, or I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. How's it going with the reading of the word in particular? It's tough, isn't it? Why is it? There's this one thing that God says, if you have this, this Word, it's going to give you life. It's going to be inside of you. And we're like, oh man, i got to have the Word. Like we all, yeah, Word, Word, Word. And you get up and it's like, ah, but I'm late. I need some coffee. Got to get, I'll get it later. I'll, get it, I'll do it for lunch. And then somebody comes for lunch. And it's like, okay, well, uh, I'll do it this afternoon. And then all of a sudden you don't have time. And then, oh, well, tonight. And then you get home. And you sit down and you're like, oh, I'm just too tired. I'm, just, I'm exhausted. I'll read tomorrow morning. I'm going to double up tomorrow morning, right? And then unfortunately, another day passes. And it's like, I'm going to do 77 chapters today so I can catch up, (laughs) right? You've been there. I know you guys. A lot of you have been there. I'm going to catch up. And then we think, well, if I've done 77 chapters, now I'm good for a while. But as we talked about on Wednesday, the prayer is give us this day our daily bread. We need it daily. We need it because that's how we walk in step with the Spirit, that's how we abide in Christ, and that's how the fruit of the Spirit comes out. Let's continue on. As the living Father sent me, and I believe because the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died, emphasizing that again. Whoever feeds on this bread Will live forever. Now, again, that is talking about living forever with with God, but remember that in John 17, he defines what eternal life is for us. And he says that it's knowing the Father and the Son whom he sent. That's real life. That's what true living is all about. Again, if you're in here and like, I just don't want to go to hell, so I just want to go to heaven. I don't like fire, I like gold, streets of them. You're missing the point. You want to be with Jesus. You want to be with God. That's ultimately where your true peace, true love, true everything that's good comes from. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as He taught in Capernaum. Verse 60. When many of His disciples heard it, right now now it switches from the Jews who were against Him to the disciples. These are the people who have been going around with Him. Hey, we're on your team, Jesus. He's talking about His disciples now. When many of His disciples heard it, they said... Uh, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Why? Because remember, he's getting in there with the flesh and the blood. Do you know that Christians throughout the centuries have been thought that we're cannibals because of this passage? They would actually hear people teaching this passage you know, from the outside when they didn't have air conditioning and things and be like, eating flesh and drinking blood? Even as we talk about the supper. That's strange. It's not the physical. That's not what we're doing. It's the spiritual side. They didn't get this. This is this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Sixty-one. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, once again he knows. Don't try to pretend. Like why do we try to pretend with Jesus? Like okay, maybe with one another. Like oh, I want to look. You know, brother Doug comes by, and I want to look like I'm really holy. So I see him coming. I open oh, oh, my Bible real quick. Hey, yeah, I've been reading for about forty-five minutes. Here. It's just great stuff. Notice my Bible's upside down. You know. We we try to fool one another. And at times, I think we try to fool God. And it's like, Jesus knows what's going on. Get right with him. Open up and say, you know, because what's interesting is God, we say this many times, he doesn't learn anything. Do you realize that? Like when you leave here and you do something wrong, he's not up there going, Tom, I didn't know you were going to do that today. No. What's incredible is he knows everything, all the things that we've done, and all the things we think, (laughs) which we don't want to go down that road, and he still loves us. And he still says, I'm going to come die for you. I'm purchasing you. I love you. That's love right there. I'm not certain. Like, Heather loves me, and she is, very, she is a faithful wife. She knew everything I thought. I kind of feel like <laughs> she'd have been like, no, we're never getting married. Get out of here. <laughs> you know? But he says, no. You know what? I love you. You know what he also says? I love you before the foundations of the world. So they're grumbling. Jesus knows they're grumbling. And He says, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? He's talking about eating His flesh and stuff. What if you were to see me go back to where I was? What would that do in the situation? Then, what if, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where He was before? 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You know what he's saying to him? He's saying, yeah, you guys don't get this and you're grumbling? Because you're thinking all on the flesh. You're thinking all on the worldly. This is spiritual. And it has to come from the Spirit for you to understand this. And you guys do not get it. But there are some of you, now he's talking to his disciples, who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And yet He still let them be with Him. That's grace. He could, if He knew beforehand what was going to happen, why do not you just say, you're not going to believe. Get out of here. He still let them be there to listen, to learn. And He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to Me unless it is granted him By the Father. This talks again a little bit like last week that we talked about. The Spirit has to work. The Father has to work. He has to draw. And we all raised our hands that were here and said, absolutely. I have seen God work in my life throughout my whole life to bring me to this place. Does that take away that there's real belief that's needed? Not at all. Scripture is very clear. We have to believe. But again, these things are spiritual and it's ultimately granted by the Father. After this, look at this, one of the saddest verses in Scripture. Seriously, look at this. After this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. They said, no, it's gone too far. You've gone too far now, Jesus. You're not worth it. That's what they just said. You're not worth it. Is there a time? Is there anything in Scripture that when you come across it, Nope, you're not worth it, Jesus. That idea that we follow Him. You notice it. I love how it puts it because He talks about being followers. And I love that it puts in there. He could have just said, and their disciples turned their back or they didn't believe. But look what it says. And they no longer walked with Him. Because true belief, true belief means you're walking with Jesus. Now again, some of us are walking a little faster in some seasons. Some other seasons, it's kind of like a little, just kind of gimping along. But if you love Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you are heading that direction. You're heading that direction. Sometimes it's a full sprint. Sometimes you're just you're on the ground crawling. Are you walking with him? A little bit more here. So Jesus said to the twelve, this is the first time that we see that language of the twelve, meaning the, the apostles that he has, that kind of inner group that he has there. Do you want to go away as well? So we know that this group has gotten real small. Simon Peter would answer him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Peter's right about that, but he also is just a little bit off. He is eternal life. Not only does he have the words, he is eternal life. Where else do you want to go to? Many of you in here could pretty much testify, just like Solomon does in Ecclesiastes. Basically, you know what Solomon says? I've seen it all. I've tried it all. Nothing compares. You will constantly be empty. Go to Him who is eternal life. Go to His Word that is eternal life. Peter continues, "...and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God." So he says, we're not going anywhere else because we've believed. And Jesus is interesting. Seems like he might correct just a little bit because remember what he's been saying over and over again. You have nothing unless it comes from above. Jesus answered him, did I not choose you? Not like you just say, oh, Jesus, you're great. No, no. I called you to be my apostles, the twelve. And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, is going to betray him. That's one of the first times we see that in the Gospel of John. So what do we do with it? The two things I want you to hold on to for today, and again, if the Spirit shows you something else, great. I want you to continue to walk with Christ. Don't turn away. Don't turn away. He's worth it. He's worth it. Keep walking with Him. Even if you're going slow right now, keep crawling. If you need help, you have brothers and sisters who want to help lift you up and walk together. Let us know. Do this together. Keep going. Don't turn your back on Him. Even when the things get hard, even when you see things in Scripture like, I'm not sure about this one, God. Trust me. He's right. You're wrong. Okay? If you don't agree with Scripture, you're wrong. He's right. He's right. Don't give up on Christ. And the last thing is, feed on Him. Feed on Him. Feed on the Gospel. Remind yourself like we did a little while ago. Remind yourself of the Gospel. Because if you just listen to yourself, there's a pastor uh, named Tim Kelly he talks about this all the time. If you listen to yourself, you're going to be pretty discouraged. If you just listen to what's going on in your head, <laughs> some of us are really out there. We say some pretty off-the-wall things and constant discouragement. Don't just listen. Preach to yourself. Preach the Word of God so your heart can hear it and believe and preach it to one another. Not in a I'm better than you type of way. Not that kind of preaching. But the type of we're all broken. I'm broken. You're broken. Let's do this thing together. Okay? Don't turn your back on Him and feed on Him. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for this time together, this time in Your Word. Jesus, we are thankful that You are our Savior, that You are one who has lived this life that we should have lived, this perfect life, and that You have, in Your grace and Your mercy, given us Your righteousness through faith. Father, I pray for those who are here, Lord. If there are any here who have never truly tasted Really feasted on Christ and the Gospel, believed in the crucifixion and the resurrection, I pray, Lord, that today they would. They can come down here. They can cry out in their seat. Lord, it doesn't matter. You see the heart. For those of us who would identify ourselves as followers of Christ, walking with Christ, I pray for their faith. I pray for our faith. That it would not get small. That we would not leave you. We would not turn from you. And ultimately show that we don't, we've never truly had faith. I pray for my brothers and sisters to endure, even if they're dragging themselves slowly. I pray they would continue. I pray they'd make it known to the rest of us so we can help. Help us to feast. Help us to think on the gospel. Remind each other of the gospel. Every situation that comes, help us to try to filter it through your word, through the gospel. We thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.